Let's go. Bingetown, how are we feeling tonight? It's your boy Dave here with co-hosts Beth Harmon, Johnny Dogs, and Jim. <laughs> we are so excited to bring you guys season six of Peaky Blinders. It has been quite a while since we had the airing and debuting of season five. We have been on the edge of our seats wondering what the fuck is going to be happening. Luckily for us, we got the screeners. You know what's good. We're loving that. We love the access. Let's yeah. do a little pause here. So we know that dropped on BBC and it's been months True. now. Have any of you guys had any spoilers at all? No. No. Has one. Yeah, we've been pretty okay. damn good. The only thing I do know is the actor who plays Uncle Jack. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's been out for a while. We have plenty of tweets that we tweet about Peaky Blinders. People do try to tweet back at us because they think it's funny and try to say some spoilers, but I we're usually pretty good at not seeing them. And I, I don't think I've seen any. None. So yeah. honestly, the only thing was going into this episode, and I guess this is whatever, because unfortunately that Polly had yes. passed away in yes. real life, mm-hmm. but I knew like a hundred percent that it was going to be in episode one. Okay. It's going to happen. Me and Luke okay. were actually kind of talking back and forth, like right beforehand, just like asking each other, like Polly in this season, like we couldn't remember what the verdict was on it. And if they had to go back and reshoot certain scenes, definitely rest in peace. Such a tragic loss. It affects the show to a great end. And I think oh, yeah. they did a pretty good send off for her, honestly, with just the emotions of all the main characters being there and how it's affecting everyone. It sucks that we had to get rid of Aunt Polly, one of the best characters in the show. But they did give her a nice send off. They gave her a great, you know, in memory of at the end, which is perfect with the no music in the background. Exactly what she deserves at the very, very least. We do have. A lot of fans here across the ocean. So that means a lot of you guys have seen all of these episodes. One of the things we do here on Benchtown TV is Rooks and Vets. Okay, so you guys can be our vets. You can listen in on this podcast, know what's happening next, and hear our theories and say these guys are geniuses or these guys are freaking (laughs) assholes. Let us know on Twitter. Let's get this party started, guys. I want to say a couple things before we get into the actual episode, because this is our first real piece of content that Ben Town's putting out on Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've listened to any of our like off the cuff Patreon episodes or even probably just in passing almost on any show week I'm on at least covered, mm-hmm. I mention all the time how much I fucking love this show. I've been watching mm-hmm. this show now for what, like six or seven years. I've been following it. It's been amazing. It's not my favorite type of genre. Like I'm a little bit lower on Breaking Bad than the than the average person. I still love it and all that, but this show to me is so carried by Killian Murphy. You like that, Jimmy Killian? I like it. Yeah, I, I like hate it. it. I hate how it sounds, <laughs> but I like that you pronounce it correctly. It's, it's correct. Yeah, it's damn. so carried by Killian Murphy's acting, and I put his acting performance as Tommy Shelby on my um. Performances. What's, yeah, what's, what am I thinking? Mount, Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. Yes, I put it there on my Mount go. Rushmore with Heath Ledger. And, you know, I love Benedict Cumberbatch as Sherlock. And then who else am I always saying is uh, the best is uh, Anthony Starr's Ho- Homelander. I love, yes, Anthony Starr's <laughs> Homelander. Those <laughs> are literally season. the first four I think of as like best performances ever. So I'm just passionate about this show. Anytime Tommy's on the screen, I'm just a, I'm just a rider. I fucking love it. So I'm really happy that we got to talk that we're finally getting to talk about this show. And there's a couple of strong opinions I want out there that I wrote down as I was rewatching seasons one to five. Just so you guys know what kind of fan I am, I am coming into this show. <laughs> just like the kind of things I'm, I'm here for. And the first that's going to be totally controversial is I have been Team May over Team Grace since season two. Just having that out there. I am not a Grace fan. Fucker. 
So let me actually say this. Wow. I got a pulse on the Peaky fandom because we have a Peaky fan account just because mm-hmm. we love Peaky Blinders. And that's not actually that much of a hot take now that I've actually really? been doing this Twitter for a while. I did tweet saying Grace or, or May, and it is pretty like 50-50. But when you say 50-50, it's like the Grace people are strong Grace bias and the May people are strong May bias. And I actually saw a lot of people saying, F Grace and we're in we're with May, but we're also with Lizzie. He's at Lizzie. Lizzie, Lizzie. Yeah. I'm team Lizzie over Grace, too. Yeah. I, I just you know, I'm not I just was never the biggest Grace fan. Um, but two other things I want to put out there, too, is just my opinions, heavy opinions on my rewatch. Like, I think Polly is one of the best characters like mm-hmm. on the show. I think it's season three is where she sucks for a little bit. But then she but then she like comes back. She's amazing in season five again when she's back in her mob boss, like second, you know, role. Like she's incredible. So that's why I'm very, very hesitant to see like how this season's treated. But I will say off the top that the time skip does a lot for me in helping it not feel weird that Mm -hmm. Polly's Mm -hmm. gone from the show because like she's still such a main piece of this show at the end of the finale of season five. So it was like tough for me to like see that. But I think we're going to be able to, you know, I think it's going to make sense. And it seems like Michael's going to have a lot of motivation based on that, which is totally fine. And then here's my last opinion is that I thought Michael through the first three seasons was almost right up there with Tommy as my favorite character ever. And then it's just like a complete cliff fall. And I think we're probably all on the same page where fuck Michael this season. He's going to be the absolute antagonist. I he's, yeah, I think he's going to be the big bad. I know Jack Nelson's like the one that they've been hyping up, but I could totally see it being like, okay, we eliminate him early and now it's Michael's show that we have to deal with. And I, I'm with mm-hmm. you, Luke seasons one to three or two. When did you get introduced to or at one? It was season two. Yeah. So two to maybe was it season four. one? No, it was one. Wasn't it was it? one. It actually was one. It was at the yeah, end yeah, one. Yeah. Either way. Great. Up until literally last season where he, the stock exchange crashes and it's like all his fault and he could have easily pulled them out. And then he just keeps mm-hmm. digging himself in this hole of, not being loyal to the Shelbys, which I get that he wants his own life, but you also wanted in with the Shelbys in the first place. So like, this is literally, this comes with the territory, my Mm -hmm. guys. So it started with the whole scenario where he was in the hospital and he could have told Tommy that he was about to die and he Mm -hmm. didn't. And it was allowable that he said, I chose my mom over you because it really was one or the other pretty much in his head. So that's technically allowable. And Tommy, of course, had to do what he had to do. And Aunt Paul understood by sending him to America because he really did sandbag Tommy in that situation. He stopped him, was about to tell him, then just said, see you later, bro. But then after that, yeah, then it starts getting to the point where can't really like him as a as one of our guys. I mean, I still enjoy him. I yeah, do enjoy yeah. him as a character. Totally. He's great. I know Kyle has yeah. his thumbs down over here, but I know you think he's a poser. I know you're not a poser, Kyle. <laughs> he's just he's just a dollar store Tommy. He just thinks <laughs> that he's like about to be the big dog on campus. I mean, a lot of it is that Gina's sucks. I mean, yeah. I know we yeah. like ATJ, but she just sucks as a character. I feel like she's just whispering in his ear that he can be this big, big dog. Well, we're talking about the fact that Michael might be the big bad. Well, maybe it's Gina that's the big bad. I would prefer that. Be, she yeah. could be the black hat. Absolutely. I, I mean, fucking yeah. love Gina. I, don't care. <laughs> I am so you're biased. Blindly yeah, you're blinded. biased by Queen's you're... Gambit, and I don't even care. because Your I know name is literally sucks. Beth Harmon. 
Yeah, yeah. I know. I know Gina sucks. I know probably everybody hates her, but I don't care. I'm gonna ride for her like Kyle rides for Johnny Dogs because I love yeah. Beth Harmon. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Johnny Dogs, baby. Uh, Johnny Dogs got a little shout, a couple shouts this episode. No, no yeah, appearance. Bro. No bro, appearance. Multiple wives, multiple kids. My boy. Yeah. And and you do whatever Johnny says. Damn right. Mm-hmm. Johnny right, Dogs, boys. trust him no matter what. Let's get ready? started. Let's, yeah, do, let's it. do it. So. Normally, when we cover shows like this, we like to go in depth and we'd like to do character or plot buckets, I should say. But for this, it's pretty straightforward. We're just going to go through the episode as it was laid out. I'll give a quick description of, of a couple scenes and then we can just talk about everything that happens in them and, you know, bring up quotes, bring up favorite parts, least favorite parts, whatever. Season six, episode one, Black Day. This picks up actually the second after the end of last season and it's right after Tommy's suicide attempt we see him laying in the in the cornfield by himself and clearly it didn't work and then mm-hmm. Lizzie comes confronts him we have that conversation and then this leads to Tommy like rezzing himself going back to the house and getting the phone call that all of the bodies of his failed assassination attempt on Mosley are outside his front door and then we get the whole reveal before the time skip happens that Aunt Paula is unfortunately dead so mm-hmm. a lot happens there, but yeah. whatever Before, you guys want to talk about. We spoke very quickly, briefly, I bet, rather, about Polly. <laughs> I was trying to find my foot in there. I found it. And I just want to mention, because obviously I feel like that's going to be the bulk of the combo. I was shocked that it was the IRA that did all that shit. I, me and Alki spoke maybe like a couple weeks ago about who we thought it was. I thought Michael was like the obvious red herring of like, mm-hmm. they leave on the bad foot Gina's plan B or whatever. But Alki put this in my head and I was like so set that it was going to be Churchill. Like I thought it was going to be the British government was like, nah, we can't let this happen yet. So the IRA definitely threw me for a loop. I honestly thought that it was going to be Finn as an, a mistake like he did to the guy. Forgive me. I forget his name. The The guy was fix, helping them fix the football games. Yeah. They did the red herring there where he picks up the phone as soon as Finn True. says. I wasn't going to say necessarily it was that situation, but they were hinting the entire season that Finn was just like getting hammered, banging chicks, shooting guns and talking his ass off. So I kind of thought it was going to be one of those things. And Tommy was going to have to figure out what to do and how to deal with a brother who screwed him over. Well, are we sure that he didn't call the IRA? Did I miss something there? No, no. I just, uh, I'm so definitely you, not confirmed of like, okay, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's not confirmed who called the IRA. I'm still honestly pretty much Team Michael at this point because I'm I don't Michael. think so. I think it was the, the guy fixing football bets, the singer. I don't know. Are we going to get a flashback to who we picked up the phone or is it just fully a red herring? Can't really accept the fact the IRA is going to say we're the big dogs and we have all the information without telling us who gave them that information. So I'm sure we probably will get it. Mm-hmm. Laura was awesome. I'm all in on how yeah. like yeah. she she's made one quick appearance last season. Maybe it was two mm-hmm. quick appearances. And then she sets this phone call up and she's putting Tommy in his goddamn place like nobody's business. Like that was insane. And then yeah. she says, we had to take your crutch in this. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. that's hinting that at you, you don't know it. at this point, yeah. but that's hinting at Polly. And that's pretty much the best way you can describe Polly Gray is Tommy's crutch. She makes it all work. And then mm-hmm. you saw whenever they were at odds, like throughout the last five seasons, there was so much chaos within the show, like internally, because they're not together. So like seeing how Tommy's going to grow over this four year time skip and like whatever his plans are without having Polly being there and also having Michael being an enemy is going to be super fucking interesting. It's funny yeah. because when they're talking about the crutch, 
I didn't piece it together yet that it was going to be Polly. I literally no. was thinking, oh, they're still oh, on that. I Aber- did right away. I man. thought they were still on that Abraham Gold rant because we saw right before the flashback of him getting stabbed. Abraham Gold is definitely like a, another crutch. Absolutely, like that was another subsidiary branch of the Shelby Incorporated or whatever the fuck it's called. I, Shelby it Company really- Limited, bro. Yeah, Shelby Company Limited, sorry. What, did you burn the business card when you got it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Pretty, yeah, I did. And then it got the reveal that it was Polly, and I was like, okay, well, obviously this makes a lot more sense, and mm-hmm. that we, is the biggest crush. We were watching, and I said, that's Polly, and Dave goes, he would have a more intense reaction, and it's like three seconds later, Polly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. And also, for the, the Polly funeral scene, First of all, love the that we get the face of everyone. I believe Dave mentioned that a couple minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Reminded me of how much I loved the opening of season five when we get like where everyone's at. And especially Polly had the best opening in the beginning of season five when she's in fucking Monte Carlo fucking the pilot. But <laughs> I just really noticed how everyone is wearing their Peaky Blinders flat Jeff cap and Michael is not. Yep, he's not he wearing, not mm-hmm. wearing it. Not I didn't wearing notice that. Cap. Yeah, he's wearing just that regular. I don't even know. What bowler hat or whatever. Yeah, he's. Yeah. yeah. Tipping the cap, dude. But yeah, I mean, we had a little bit of a hint from Lizzie how Tommy is after the whole Aunt Polly death, and it's emotionless. No more drinking. She can't get anything out of him. And she, if she's saying now she can't get anything out of him, my gosh, she never got anything out of him in the first place, pretty much. So he must really be secluded and isolated since Aunt Polly's death. I will say, though, Lizzie on my rewatch has grown on me a lot. And it's it's definitely partially because of the idea that she's going to be a a really great character in Wheel of Time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's going to be a big Wheel of Time character. Yeah, so I I love seeing her now. I was going to make that comment too because Lizzie, I think all of the female characters have grown on me so much, maybe besides like Arthur's wife. Well, yeah, she better not grow on you. No, Ada has been watching her grow up and like just seeing... Ada and Lizzie just be kind of just the bottom of the totem pole. Their input never really mattered in season one. Like they would just kind of take it with a grain of salt and be like, okay, like that was a stupid idea. But now like they actually have some power in the organization. And especially with eight and Ada's situation, the sister to all these, the heads of the family. So she has to have that in. So I've just, it's been really great watching those two specifically kind of become women in power in this show. Ada Stan. You noticed last season when it came to Ada, that she was like taking over the poly role a little bit where he yeah, was definitely. falling apart and she was actually being called by Tommy and Tommy was showing up. And, you know, you saw the scenes at the end of the season where he's calling everybody. You see that Ada is one of the people she he calls, but he's actually shown up at her house before needing help when he's about to have a big issue. You know, when he's falling apart, he goes to Ada and I have a feeling that's what he's going to do this season if he needs her. When it comes to Lizzie, there's something to be said about having like that wife. If you're Tommy Shelby, Tony Soprano, you know, Nucky Thompson, any of these, any of these mob bosses, you know, you, you have to have the wife that where, what was mm-hmm. it last season where Lizzie was finally like, okay, I signed up for this. I know what this is. Exactly. I am going to be your wife. And it's, you don't have someone like Linda coming at you and being your moral yeah. compass 24 t- seven. Mm-hmm. They got to be down with the Gumars, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing I'll say on Ada before we can move on, though, is no one says the word fuck better than her actress in this entire <laughs> show. She crushes it. There are two great parts in this entire episode. Which yeah. Let me just say really quick, though, the, the part <laughs> where he first wakes up, you know, he's face down. The graphics, the scenery, everything that you see here, he pulls up 
after Lizzie gives him shit and half his face. He's straight up two face, man. Half his face is perfectly mud. And the other face is beautiful. Killian Murphy symbolism. Unbelievable. It's just an amazing graphic. So now we get the big time skip, which me and Dave both made like audible noises when yeah, this happened. I, I did too. Like four yeah. years is a long yeah. time. That's yep. like a good amount of time for things to change and happen. And I could have seen like a one or two. I would have never guessed four years, especially you- when you say, I believe it was last season where Tommy's having a conversation. He says, we came back 10 years ago from the war. So mm-hmm. if you say in season one through season five is about 10 years. Now you're skipping four. To get to season six, damn. Looked it up actually. So, the season season one took place in 1919, and the stock market crash happens in 1929, I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So four years later, now it's 1933. So between season one, episode one, and now where we're at, it's been 14 years. So one through five is the 10 years, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah that's what I mean. Okay. So I'm saying if you think about everything we watched in five seasons, there's 10 years there. Now we're getting four of those four years, four mm-hmm. more years getting added on. That's almost half. That would be like saying we missed two seasons of this show. Yeah, right. Uh, so where we take place, though, this was pretty surprising to me. I actually had no idea where it was until Context Clues came out later. We're in a French territory island called Miquelon Island. Miquelon. And, and yeah, Miquelon <laughs> Island. And it's it's in Canada. It's an important spot because it's outside of the jurisdiction jurisdiction of both Canada and America. Because it's French owned. Yes, French exactly. Owned. So this is like where we're taking place. Um, and then this whole section we can before we move on to other scenes, I'm gonna encapsulate in Tommy showing up to the bar. Uh Mikey Stash gets introduced because that's what we're gonna fucking call him now. <laughs> Mikey and, Stash. And Mikey so we have- Stash though, the music. Oh when my Mikey God! Mikey Stash bro. gets introduced, dude. Oh that electric guitar God. or whatever that was, bro. Oh my God! I told I Luke, I was like, so "This music hyped. is tough. This is tough." <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't fuck with Michael, but that scene, I was like, "Okay." All right, all right. So let's just talk through all of that stuff, including like Tommy being in the bar, and then also like the business meeting ending with him setting up Michael through the call. So like mm-hmm. yeah, all mm-hmm. of those scenes, we can just kind of okay. talk. Through we now. can take it as part one, I guess, as pre-meeting. Sure. This is just classic Tommy Shelby being a fucking badass. Mm-hmm. I, I was did not know where this was going. I was shocked that he doesn't drink anymore. And he kind of was like on the back. Okay, they got me because I'm thinking like Tommy's a little bit on the back foot right here. Like, how is he going to respond to all these people in the bar? Like, like a fucking boss. Like, like that was boss. Luke's exact reaction was like, why do I even hesitate for like in these moments for Tommy? Like, yeah. he's a fucking badass. Yeah. What does he shoot first before the bird? And then he turns and pops the fucking dove that's yeah. in the air. Like, <laughs> Jesus. A pigeon, bro. A yeah, the pig- that's honestly just one of those small scenes that I'm just going to remember Peaky Blinders by. That was the origin story of the Joker, man. You know how I got these scars? That guy just got sliced Pretty across much, the yes. face. It looked like it was his mouth. Tommy got him good, man. I like the world, the little bit of, I guess, world building, you could say, of like where we're at, like prohibition has ended. Mm-hmm. What's like the, I guess, quote unquote, political situation on the island, political and economic. Everyone there is out of a job now. Mm-hmm. And it ties in perfectly with Tommy's quote at the end of after the meeting. Felt like we were in the fucking hotel with them. And like this shows tense. I'm going to mm-hmm. ask this right now. I asked this to Luke at pretty much a little bit after the scene, but how many episodes does it take for Tommy Shelby to start drinking again? 
Dude, I thought he was gonna at the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said end of, I was like end of one. It was like uh, it's, I'll give I it said two that, episodes. I said two. Yeah. He's a man of I principle, hope... man. I don't know. Well, it's gonna there's gonna be a movie, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah, not, I could see not, like if not if this alcohol. was the end, like I could see him like dying and like taking a sip of whiskey. But I'm gonna say he's not. He's gonna. Oh no, something's gonna happen. Damn, <sighs> it's interesting because if you remember from season five, Oswald said. Don't drink anymore. Drink less, he said, actually. Yo, oh, my God. Wow, yeah. That's he a... said, drink less. And you know what's funny is, as I was getting ready, I, you know, I'm pouring up a fucking glass of whiskey that Tommy would look at this and think it's like the girliest chick yeah. drink like ever. It's like t- <laughs> it tastes like candy, basically. But, you know, I said, I'm going to drink whatever Tommy drinks. And I'll sit <laughs> yeah. here like, are you fucking kidding me, bro? He, he gives up drinking right when I make this rule. But That's the so thing funny. that he does say to... The pissed off guy in the bar, yeah. he says, Jean-Claude. Yeah, he says, since I forsworn alcohol, I've become a calmer and more peaceful person. Yeah. And then a second later, he basically just says, like, but, you know, I could slip back into my old tendencies when I need to. And that's when mm-hmm. he does the fucking the shooting. It's yeah, so cool. he's a beast. He learned a lot of things in France. One he's other the comment I have is that no one in any TV show, movie, anything of all time makes me want to smoke a cigarette more than Tommy. Oh, show. my gosh. Oh, of course. No, he, like, rubs I, it on his <laughs> lips and then just like throws it so, in there. I'm like, oh, that's tough. Fun fact. Since our Town t- TikTok likes to do some TV facts now at Town TV podcast on TikTok. <laughs> Tommy Shelby does that for one reason. And Killian Murphy said that. When they gave him the cigarettes, every time he was doing it, it would get stuck to his lips the way that they, the cigarettes were made because they're herbal fake cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So he said he had to wet it first, and that's why he would rub it against his lips. And then after he did it once, he just started doing it because he had to for each cig. It's so and cool. And people started to say, like, oh, that's pretty freaking cool. It's and he's like, cool. all right. I thought I should have for- watched that TikTok because I could have sworn it was going to be a thing that he's like secretly like microdosing on opium. Like he has opium <laughs> dipped cigarettes. I always that- thought it was that he was trying to get the flavor of the tobacco on his lips. So when he drinks whiskey, Jamie, I'm sure you know that's a thing, but like cigars and whiskey, you know how you. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's kind of. Why are you sure I know? Because I'm older and I smoke cigars. I just, yeah. I was going to say. I'm, I'm distinguished. <laughs> Definitely the, the second one, not the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to tell a quick story because you're totally right, man. When you watch Peaky Blinders, I just want to smoke cigs all day, right? (laughs) And I went the other day to pick up dinner for me and my fiance, and there's this lady smoking a cig out front. I'm like, that's disgusting, dude. Like, (laughs) it's so bad in real life. But like, when you see Tommy do it and and anyone in like TV shows, you're like, that's freaking cool, man. What do you, (laughs) Jimmy, what do you guys call it? Uh, Blasting blasting off, off. man. Yeah. You're going to blast off. All right, let's get to Mikey Stash because he shows up to the bar. This is, you know, peak Peaky Blinders where we're doing a whole we're actually getting to see the insight of like what business meetings are going on in Tommy's head. And we get introduced to this character, Uncle Jack, who is the idea of this character, Uncle Jack, who is Anya Taylor-Joy's uncle, Gina Gray's uncle. He's the big guy in Boston. And we find out later in the episode through more conversations like he is the big, big guy like He's going to the White House like he's an international. He's an international level. Tommy is reaching out to Michael to do this whole continuation from season five. where We're going to try and start distributing opium in America. And this is like Mm -hmm. the big boy business. It's like a total step up from everything we've seen before this. And we get to see all these contacts in the room. And it's funny how they're having this conversation and Tommy does start laying out the plan. And he says, I want to work with people I trust. And everyone looks at Michael and starts kind of laughing like they're rolling their eyes at him and stuff. But the truth is, 
Tommy trusts Michael to do business. He could be the adversary. He could be on the other side of the table. But he knows if they agree on something and it has to do with money, Michael will get it done. Not that he won't like backstab him personally or anything, but he knows the business side of things will get done, which is interesting. I thought it was nice, too, that we get a little bit of like that verbal sparring right away from Tommy and Mikey Stash. Mm -hmm. Tommy basically tells him, like, you know, it takes a long time to get revenge on powerful people, which is Tommy is also experiencing that while Michael is experiencing that from the totem below Mm -hmm. Tommy himself. So I like that little innuendo. But this was the scene I was kind of shocked because I was writing it in my notes as like Michael and his boys and Michael and the boys. And then we get that other guy who I don't know if we ever get his name, I guess is actually like the head of the squad. So I had to flip my notes to the boys and Michael, (laughs) especially with your music and his intro, because, you know, Mikey stash, man, you thinking he's like up in the world and he, you know, he has risen in America, but mainly seems like because of Gina and the uncle and her connections. But at the same time, this guy did seem like he was calling the shots. I mean, he actually told Tommy, sit back down and you'll get up when I say you'll get up. Even though Tommy, he ended the meeting when he wanted to, of course. Of course. But yeah, I mean, it was weird. Like Michael sat center and I guess he sat center because he's the one who knows Tommy and he's the one who can do most of the talking. But I was a little surprised that Michael wasn't straight up the actual big dog. The one comment I will say is that I'm going to mention the poem yeah. that he actually ends up reciting which is called A Poison Tree by William Blake. And the entire, it's funny that they stop him, like Michael stops him from keep reciting the poem. Because if he actually said the whole thing, essentially it's just that patiently taking this idea of revenge against someone you hate. And like, as long as you keep growing that emotion, you'll kill that person eventually. So damn, just thought it was interesting <laughs> yeah, that that Michael is the one who stops him after the first whatever quartet or quadrant whatever you call them. Yeah, yeah. But if the rest of the poem is basically the idea of like someone who hates someone else takes that feeling, eventually grows it into an apple tree and that apple ends up killing the person that they hate. Tommy's right. a thinking man. Yeah, he is. He can't just sleep. like Alfred, right? Yeah, baby. Yeah, hell yeah. Sober Tom. My gosh, we're talking about King Alfred from Last Kingdom. I'm going to bring up bring up Moon Knight, Stephen Knight. Um. All right, that's is that his name? Stephen Grant. Stephen Grant, thank you, God. <laughs> Stephen Grant, boss. he just learns everything about Egypt, learns Egyptian because he can't sleep. He stays up at night. Mm-hmm. I guess you got to stay up all night and learn. That's true. I guess it's also important to mention that Tommy plants the idea of that there's an informant in their organization. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. for that's sure. Huge. I thought that was going to be like a mystery thing gets resolved like a couple of scenes later. Yeah. But th- the only other thing that happens in this bucket that I have written down is... Tommy immediately goes and he sets up Michael to get stopped with the opium. And he's it's cool that he's using the name Mr. Jones, which was yeah. part of Michael's plan from last season. But yep. we'll put a pin in that now because we can talk about that in the Gina scene a little bit later. I guess quickly, I don't know if you were about to say this and I just stepped on your toes, but just like in general, what's going on in yes. England? Show, yeah, yeah, that's what Yeah, I was it's just that Johnny Dog's kids are running wild and ruining <laughs> Christmas. Don't worry, bro. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote <laughs> Shelby children plus Johnny Dog's kids. <laughs> I literally they're joking about, you know, home. And then it shows us Lizzie and Ada yeah. and all these kids. And I'm like, Tommy didn't have all these kids. And then they, as soon as <laughs> they was, say Johnny's no. kids, I'm laughing my ass off. Johnny's yeah, at the so bar. Funny. She's got to call the bar and be like, yo, is there someone named Johnny there? Tell him to get home. It's Christmas. It's funny how that works, man, because Tommy had to do that before. <laughs> when he's looking for Johnny, he calls down to the town and he's like, yo, is there somebody like doing? I forget what they said. He might have been singing or selling or something. 
All right, if he's wearing this hat, is okay. Call him and tell him I need him right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's pretty. Per- and then also the Arthur's out of his perfect. That Arthur's just like drugged up and fucked up and is supposed to be Santa, but literally can't stand. <laughs> Dude, he I wasn't drop. expecting it to be heroin slash opium. Like I, yeah. the first scene where he's on the stairs as Santa, well, the suits all over the floor. I thought he was just hammered, like he always is. Mm-hmm. But then we obviously get the reveal that it's opium later, which is going to be a big problem. I love you, Ada. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a mini skip later where he goes down to Chinatown, racist Carl and Ada get the call. And then, you know, because fucking... this is one of your this is one of your your big F words, dude. Yeah, it is. Which... <laughs> I literally wrote it. She goes, fuck. Yeah, there you go. I was we, for you we, to hate, <laughs> we hate Carl, right? Carl Thorne, like his her Freddie Thorne's kid with her because he in last season is is racist, right? He he was super against um Ben Younger. Yeah. Uh, and like yeah. that whole idea. So like he he clearly has like fucked up morality and shit. And I don't know how yeah. important he's going to be, but he's the oldest because he was conceived in season one. Like he he's the oldest of all of the kid of all of the, the quote unquote new generation outside of Finn and Michael, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about Carl. We haven't we didn't see anything or hear anything about Finn, right? Not yet. He was at the funeral. Well, yeah, but I mean, do- after the time right. skip. No. So. That's something to think about just because, you know, we have pretty much gotten the what's good for every character that we care about. I wonder if he has stepped up slightly because Arthur is obviously now just a worthless drug addict, it seems. I wonder if he looks aged because he's kind of like before the time skip, the age of an actor where you would notice the age up, right? Because he was like going from like, I don't know, what was he, 16 to 20? 18 ish. Yeah, something like around there. I also yeah. think that Ada's behavior in the, op- I guess, opium den, I guess mm-hmm. I'll call it, felt very Polly-esque. I feel like she wrote Arthur's name on him and was like, you know who this fucking is? Like, if you ever sell him shit again, you know who Tommy Shelby is? Like, you're going to die, basically. I yeah. like that comparison a lot. It's just Ada's yeah. stepping up into a role that she's more than capable of, and we love that. She doesn't want that. it. She, she, she doesn't, doesn't want it. Want it like, she- I don't work for him anymore. I can't answer the phone. If you're going to spend that much time around your family who's yeah. infamous, you're just going to get tied into it no matter what. Like Unless she literally goes off somewhere by herself, she's just going to keep getting brought back in. I'll watch her fix problems any day of the week. Hell yeah. If she dies, I'm off the show. So there's that. <laughs> he's the only this. untouchable. Luke's going to Luke's gonna move over to the boys <laughs> yeah, coverage sure. if she dies. I mean, Carl's a sketchbag, man. He's just yeah, sitting yeah. In, in Tommy's office. Hands crossed, brooding into the fireplace. I mean, uh, all right, let's do a quick aside here for the Norfolk prison in Boston, where Beth or Beth Harmon, (laughs) (laughs) where Gina Gray goes to to pick up Mike or at least have a conversation with Michael, who Mm -hmm. is now already in prison because Tommy ratted him out. I'm glad that it wasn't a couple episodes for Michael to get caught. I'm glad that it just like transitioned to him in prison and we get that immediate interaction with him and Gina because. We know, as we said, that Gina has never been one for the Shelbys. And if anything, she's whispering in Michael's ear to get away from them. Yeah. So this scene to me, I, I actually really enjoyed this scene. Just seeing how Michael, he was still like pretty composed in the beginning. And just like, you just got to listen to me. And she's freaking out. And he's just, and then he just stands up and he's like, all right, well, this is the plan you're going to have so-and-so. But I, I thought it was a really good interaction at the end of the day. Like just seeing those two together and how they operate, they're just they're so toxic for each other at the end. Yeah, of the day. I was going like, to say, you like how he just bullies her into silence. Yeah, when I we mean, see her introduced 
for the first time. Like she comes in hot with like all the drugs, well, like that, yeah. sex and everything. So she's the best. That's why. <laughs> I mean, that's she's an interesting character because exactly like you said, Dave, she's face down the floor when you first meet her. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, she's getting hammered. She's pounding whiskey or scotch or whatever it is by the shot as she's talking to Tommy. But she's also super intelligent, super capable. She's mm-hmm. pretty much half of or more of the plan that came about by Michael in season five. And she obviously made all this happen for him in season six so far. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if she's the bigger dog than Michael. She's definitely picked up a lot from her uncle because you can tell even in that interaction with Tommy, she holds her ground for a while until Tommy flips the switch on her. But she definitely has confidence and not really a fear of going against someone who would be considered, you know, stronger than her. You gotta be afraid of Tommy. No, I think she's incredibly naive. I think she thinks she's a much bigger dog than she is. She's insulting Tommy the whole time at the meeting. And then Tommy, like you said, flips the switch on her. And then she's just, I don't know. I I think she thinks she's a much bigger dog than she actually is because her uncle Mm -hmm. is a big dog. That is true too. I think compared to Michael, I think she's bigger. But I think in general, no way. Yeah, but because she's the niece. But I feel like yeah. her, the two of them are perfect for each other. And I think it's funny. They're both, I guess it is ironic in that Michael's like, oh, Tommy, like, don't understand your limitations. Your ambition has no limits. And then she is saying to Tommy, your little man is hitting the big time now. Like, you're not in England anymore. It was the same way for her. Like, when she went to England, she was a nobody. And she yeah. was silent and just whispering in michael's ear and then michael his whole thing now is he wants to pretty much like take down tommy and like be this big dog so his ambition is the same thing as tommy's this whole conversation is cool because michael's freaking out saying i'm in jail because of an informant and i was wondering how quick or if ever we were going to find out or or, you know the viewers knows but if michael was going to find out that tommy Got him. (laughs) We find out ASAP pretty much. But it is cool how Tommy pretty much said you have an informant. They busted the informant. He had it buys him just enough time for them to be like, how did Michael get busted? Well, an informant. And then when Tommy's ready to bust his ass, he's like, yeah, bro, I got you. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's important because it shows that Tommy is ready to clean out all of the rats of this American business. You're doing one of his plans. You need to be someone that can be held accountable. So I like that little bit where they're just going to clean up all these little fucking sketch bags and get them out of there because Tommy's coming in and make some fucking opium. It seems to me like he's buying a lot of Uncle Jack's people out because I mean, like when he first arrives onto that island, he tips the guy like pretty heavily. Even the bartender, when he's leaving, he gives like a pretty good fat stack of cash. And I think he's just like, making these subtle moves like that. I don't know if this was on purpose, obviously, or not, but I think it'd be cool if those little subtle moves of extra cash a little your way, you know, maybe you help me out like down the line, like maybe that bartender becomes a big thing and like, it's like, okay, this guy's a good customer. Like, even though he's anti Uncle Jack. I just thought of this, but Gina gives me like Finn vibes. She is pretty much the Finn of Uncle Jack's organization. Bro, relax. Unless you're saying <laughs> Finn is just captivating and awesome. Well, I mean, yeah, she's obviously very attractive, and but like she just acts like Finn acts. Like she gets getting drunk, she's spouting her mouth off, she's always name dropping her uncle. She thinks she's big because of her relative the- is who has built this something, and that's pretty much Finn. If you're needs- asking me if I would hold on to all the stocks to have Anya, I would do it. <laughs> I don't yeah. give a fuck. She needs to talk. 
You think this is a game? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> she calls Tommy boy to his face. Yeah, yeah. Right. all right. Well, let's let's do that because this is the yeah. the next scene we can talk about. It kind of gives you great Gatsby vibes, right? Like her house, the lighting, the decorations, Definitely. the drinking, the partying, the music, all of that. She's just in her fucking her attire, bag, yeah. Living it up. She's yeah, exactly. She kind of, you know, she does look like a she's acting like Beth Harmon getting yeah. hammered, you know, all of that. Dancing she's and and she's just super confident, like Dave was saying. And then this is when Tommy, she, I think she answers the phone and they say, Tommy's outside here. probably. And then, yeah. and then she goes, I guess send him in or something like that. She well, she basically was saying like, interesting, bring him in. Like she thinks it's a game. Like she literally yeah. thinks like, oh, this will be interesting. Bring him on in. Mm-hmm. You don't talk like that about Tommy Shelby. God, these are in. just my, my two idols going at it. It's so <laughs> tough for me to pick a side. Okay. The only thing we need to talk about for this scene that we haven't already covered is just that flip of the switch yeah. that Tommy uses, right? Because this is when he kind of just throws his fucking balls on the table and is like, you know, <laughs> gives him the ultimatum and says, if Uncle Jack isn't buying this shit, I'm going to fucking sell to the Jews. I have a really good connection through the Solomon family because yeah. of Alfie, which is awesome because you know he's popping up in this season. Oh, so yeah. this guy had cancer in the end of season four. Four-year time jump. Half his face is screwed up. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping we get him, and I'm sure we will. But my gosh, how's he alive? Oh, it's that it's that coastal air and those views. <laughs> That's Mark, Mark H has been doing it for him, man. Shooting those <laughs> boats, shooting all the boats, and. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. If he doesn't come, there's no way they're going to have like an off screen. Alfie died from cancer death. If they bring him back for the end of season five as a surprise, you don't just get rid of him. I mean, if you say the Solomon family, then he's going to be in it. You could just not talk about him because to be honest, like Alfie Solomon's can doesn't have to be part of the story four years later. But if you bring up Solomon's, then yeah, he's got to He's got to be there. I just want to ask this question. So were they saying the Solomon's control East Boston and then Uncle East Jack Boston controls Jews, right? like South, almost a majority. I think of it's it, just but... more about a turf war within Boston, which is the biggest commercial center through ports, I guess, besides mm-hmm. like New York and that whole area. So I think it's just just how Birmingham was split up between a bunch of people. I don't think it's Birmingham. Birmingham. I, I think just, it's just yeah. Boston. I was also confused because I think, later in the episode, they also start saying like East and West as in like East, like yeah. being Asia and then West being the United States. No, it's pretty much that the Jewish community in Boston controls like the East side of the city. The, okay. The, the Irish people are in the South. They made it, they made it sound like, and I assume the Italians are. They said the Italians, West. some other the Irish. I think are the, the Irish. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought that was going to be important as we were watching the episode, like the whole American structure and the turf war that could potentially happen there but because the whole ruby thing happens at the end and tommy's going back and then also uncle jack's going to england it seems like we're going to be doing everything in england which kind of makes sense that's just like where all the prop where all the settings are just it's more comfortable so i don't know if it's going to matter as much besides boston anything else you guys want to bring up from that conversation before we gina just says he says no deal ultimatum happens and then they kind of he just like walks out you think he's in a banger no She'll be in England, dude. Although I did see something today that was like literally every season there's a hot that gets introduced and it's like, ah, Tommy's not going to bang her. And then Tommy bangs her. (laughs) (laughs) So if he cocks Michael, that would be crazy. He basically says he's going to to Michael when they have their confront confrontation at the jail. He's literally just like, here's everyone that's coming. 
That's so true. And your girlfriend. And your girl's coming, and I'll take care of her in England. He literally says it. <laughs> Before we get to that specific conversation, yeah. quickly, let's go over that phone call with Lizzie and Tommy post-coital, where he's just rolling out of bed just after banging that, that girl. Gumar. <laughs> Some things will never change. The drinking might, but the banging of chicks will never. Will never you know stop. the world's ending if he quits six. As long oh, as he's oh, blasting yeah, yeah. off, we're good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So what did you guys think was worth talking about from that conversation with Lizzie? Um, just the fact that Johnny Dogs is the guy. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he's the doc. His, his wives are the wives. Dogs. Yeah. yeah. What's the one's name? Esmeralda or something? Or did I just make I, that up? I'm they don't even shake matter. my head and say, but yeah, yeah pretty, <laughs> but pretty much Tommy's doing the typical, like, you know, checking in phone call. He is saying some good things. It is important that he does say, Again, you know, he said it before, but he's like, once this deal's done, I'm out. Is he telling the truth? Can he can he ever get out of the game? How many times have we seen that character plot point for for some of our main characters of different shows? Can he get out of the game? He can't get out of the game. But he says he wants to get out of the game. He wants to hold Ruby. You know, they're going to be together. Obviously, that would make Lizzie happy. Then she drops the bomb that Ruby's sick. And at first, it's not really that big of a thing. He, He cares, obviously, but. You know, he might talk shit on Lizzie when he wants to, and he might talk shit on a lot of people. But when it comes to his kids, he loves them. He loves Grace to this day, but he treats Ruby just like he does his son, I would say. Yeah. Right. They he got- talks a little shit on Charlie in season five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he gets mad. He deserves Charlie. it. Charlie. He doesn't listen. listen. That guy doesn't listen. <laughs> he doesn't listen. <laughs> Probably deserve uh, that. Then she she lets it out, slip that she's talking in her sleep. She had the 101 fever. She's talking nonsense. She was talking. What's the gypsy language? Romanian oh. or something? It was Romani. Like Romani, right? Romani, yeah. Ro- yeah. Romani. And, Romani and what? It, wait, what is it? <laughs> Romani. Okay, I always said Romani. <laughs> yeah, she's speaking Romani. Johnny Dogs. Eh? Kids are teaching her how to do it, and then she says what it is. Now we don't know what it means, but obviously it means something important. It means a, some kind of omen, maybe an Aunt Paul kind of thing that we would understand. And he's basically thinking that she's saying she's going to die. I also thought it was a good connection. And I the problem is that when I was rewatching season five, I checked out kind of for like one scene. And this is the scene that, it, of course, it connects to is when Tommy's asking his uncle about the circumstances around his mother's death. She basically just walked into the canal and didn't walk yeah. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Again, like I'm saying, like, of course, that scene was important because I wasn't really listening to the dialogue specifically because something was happening at that time. This is what Tommy's being reminded of in his head is like his mother was saying all these crazy gypsy things and then went and killed herself or like bad omens happened. Then she died. You could take it either way. And that's the same thing with Ruby. We're talking about the sapphire. We're talking about the the black horse. We're talking about when he he was having the dreams about Michael being the rat. Yeah. He any kind of gypsy omen. I mean, he believed any time Aunt Paul was saying there was something going on with her feelings, like, you know, her sight. When he tells Michael, when I think this is the this is the season that you didn't really like Aunt Paul as much when she right after she's about to get hung mm-hmm. and, you know, she's a little effed up and she's doing all the drugs and she's just sitting in her house. And he tells Michael to tell Aunt Paul, like, tell your mom, I 100 percent believe that she has the sight and the people that she's saying she's seeing. I believe you. 
get rid of those drugs and blah, blah, blah. Like, and she knew right away, like, okay, you're, you're speaking Tommy's words. But basically, Tommy believes the gypsy stuff. Yep. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. That's a cool yeah. layer to him. He went all the way to the, the gypsy lady who uh, was it Johnny Dogs's? Was she part of Johnny Dogs's group when probably when he had to ask her? Yeah, probably. <laughs> who isn't, dude? Who isn't? <laughs> When he had to ask her about the sapphire, he said, will you take this? Like he did a journey. He took Johnny Dogs on this journey only to ask this yeah, lady if she would take him. the sapphire because he wanted to know if it was cursed for real by a gypsy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he takes this stuff seriously. He says right away, I'm coming home. I mean, you know how big of a deal it is if he's coming home because the business is a big deal to him right now. I mean, he wasn't coming in like she said, we can't come. Ruby's sick. And he's like, oh, that sucks. But I'll see you later pretty much and then as soon as he starts they start talking about the gypsy stuff all the words she's saying he's like i'll be home yeah the one other big thing obviously to mention here is not only just the speech that she says but she also mentions that she was seeing a man with green eyes and a black horse now do we have any theories on that because literally not i was just getting i was just getting like flashes of like the witcher like the wild hunt kind of shit like this is just like an omen of like bad fortune coming this does tommy shelby have green eyes well they zoom in on his face that's what i'm pretty sure it was showing us that they were green that's what i was thinking so like maybe it wasn't a foreshadowing of that he will be her downfall and that's why after that phone call He's like, Paul, like, this is all catching up to me as in almost like karma is catching up with me. And because I'm not out of the game, I'm going to end up having all this bad shit happen to the people around me is how I took. Yeah, I mean, well, listen, he says to Lizzie, don't let her near your horse. Don't let her near the water. Don't let her near Johnny Dog's kids. He's talking about accidents that can kill her. Don't let her on the horse because it could could knock her off. Don't let her near the water so she can drown. He's thinking the omen is that she's going to die. Yeah. Now, I mean, like you said, it could definitely have something to do with him. Dave, I have no idea about that part, and I'm sure we'll get more when Tommy gets home and he talks to Johnny Dogs, the the goat. I mean, for now, he's thinking, don't let her out of her room. Don't let her die, pretty much. So if we're good there, final scene, which we also kind of already hit on a little bit, and this is that conversation. He He goes into prison in Boston and talks to Michael and just lays down the law. He already taunts him with Gina and Uncle Jack going over to England and how he's going to head back over too and take care of business. Michael's stuck because Uncle Jack needs to leave him there for it was press purposes, right? Yeah. Like the yeah. media. So yeah. Essentially, like if if they let him go, it's a bad look on Uncle Jack because or like just the United States, I guess, in general, because obviously he was locked up for something illegal like yeah, opium. opium. Yeah. But if yeah. he stays in there, then that sends a bad message to the people within Uncle Jack's organization yes. as like maybe like can't take no care matter, of your own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So that was Tommy's plan for the whole ultimatum and it actually is why it makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah this was the second time that i wrote down when he's walking through the jail that the music was fucking amazing i give me all the tommy shelby walk up music and like (laughs) like just hat down and then like slowly looking up feed me all it was so goddamn good but how did we not get fucking red right hand at all okay we forgot to mention that i was just waiting for it they didn't end the episode with anything because it was the dedication to Helen McCrory. True. Mm-hmm. That was that was the quiet yeah. finish. There was like breezes, I think. It was like it a was breeze in the, in the background. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in the beginning, we didn't get it. And during, we didn't get it. So I don't have any summarizing thoughts other than the fact that it was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. I'm so glad we're fucking back watching Peaky Blinders. But I will say that I'm now I'm I'm just very interested to see what type of Uncle Jack connections there is with the IRA. 
Mm-hmm. If this he if he is like the guy in the city of Boston, he's obviously he is Irish. Right, right. If he right. runs it. There's no way that there's not some level of I mean, maybe he doesn't support the IRA cause. Maybe he I but see, I, there's no way I feel like if he is even like a second generation Irish immigrant to America. It I would only like benefit him to support it, right? Yeah, I feel like he's definitely not a monarchist or a loyalist or a crownist, whatever they call themselves back right. then. So I just there that yeah. has to some point get fleshed out. That's even more of like Michael because Michael gets caught in Belfast by the IRA mm-hmm. when he's coming back to America after Black Tuesday after the stock market crashes. And that's why Tommy doesn't trust him. Well, that's part of the reason why Tommy doesn't trust him. So it seems almost so obvious that Michael now that we know that Uncle Jack is a thing, I feel like we had no idea that Gina was this connected in season five. It was definitely mentioned. Not th- to this level. No, was, yeah. Uh, we knew right. she yeah. was going to be important for the yeah. business portfolio yeah. plan that I, Michael I, laid out. I think it was that we knew she was definitely well off from her family. Yeah. I don't know if... It, I feel like... Oh, this, no, no. They did say... I think they did say there's connections, but nothing nothing to this level. Yeah, this is like pretty insane. So it just feels do. so obvious that Michael has this connections to the Irish community in Boston, who then has connections to the IRA, who is basically fucking with Shelby Company Limited. I feel like there's there's too much obvious shit going on there. Are we going to see Oswald this season? Oh, Oh, we better. We We have to. (laughs) (laughs) My biggest complaint about this time skip aspect of this episode is we don't really have a good lay of the land outside of just like what happened in us and world history of like where the ira stands where the fascists are with being mosley and then the communists with isolt from the last kingdom what's her name like eden. <laughs> charlie murphy no, no that's no. her actress's name i'm sorry um, what the fuck something eden i, I know jesse, jesse, eden. About. jesse eden redo yeah, so, that redo that yeah so i i and jesse eden from i don't fucking know what i'm thinking of. I'll <laughs> it's like what and we'll fix it <laughs> like redo it jesse eden <laughs> I just all I'm saying is I I want to know where where the political parties stand in yeah. terms of world building in this right. I'm I'm using world building in quotes because it's history. It's history. Yeah, yeah, it's the same way I was like world building. Yeah. We're we're world we're we're world building right now. We're, we're, right. We're, we're, <laughs> Redo we're, that we're, one. We're, we're, yeah. Yeah. Jesse Jesse Jesse. <laughs> That's gold. So the major political people that we still need to see are Mosley Eden. I think the president of the United States now is a case to be introduced into all this now that we have Uncle Jack and yeah, FDR. His son gets mentioned. He's on the boat to uh, to England with. Okay, so he's definitely okay. I think that boat is like that boat scene is going to be huge with whatever. Maybe Tommy Shelby finally introduces himself to the. Well, he's not. I don't think Tommy's on that boat. I think he's saying currently those five are on the boat. But yeah, I think President Winston son. Churchill is also someone I would like to see make another appearance. And just because he's been having his way with the Shelbys, I feel like, and he needs a little bit more uh, little teachings from Tommy, you know, <laughs> this is how I got I got the whole thing spoiled for me of who um, Uncle Jack's actor is. It, he's not a real Uncle Jack isn't a Jack Nelson isn't a real person, but is loosely based off of Joseph Kennedy Sr. So JFK's dad. Oh, oh wow. That's pretty cool, actually. This Oh. Which might make sense because they had, you know, their whole family has incredible Boston ties, right? Like that yeah. he would just be a big figure around then. So wow. who who was the Kennedy that's going to be on the boat? It's not a Kennedy. It's a Roosevelt. Oh, Roosevelt. Okay. So that's yeah, what it's. It's FDR's son, whether it's James or I think he has a junior and I don't know. For some reason, like a dumbass was like shocked that Oswald Mosley was like a real person. I'm shocked that he wasn't in this <laughs> I episode. Uh, I he's try- totally going to be in two. 
Yeah, he'll he'll be in it ASAP. That's why I'm I was welcome. joking when I asked. But I, I honestly try not to look up any kind of history with that. Just yeah. because I don't know if they're going to just go a certain route and I'm going to be like, oh, shit, I just found out he's going to die in episode like four because the yeah. history says so. So I, I don't know really anything about him specifically. Yeah, I'm history. thinking episode two, we're getting Red Right Hand and we're getting Mosley. That's what I wanted to open this up to before we get out of here and make this our last thing is yeah. is <laughs> quick predictions for the season, including things like what Kyle just said and who's going to live in death pool. Yeah, I think that Finn is going to die. Not make it to the movie or make it to the movie and die. Hmm. We're doing this season. So talk this season here. The movie is such a wrinkle. I have no idea how to guess off of the movie, especially because there could be like a 10 year jump, any kind of jump. All right. Outrageous take. Lizzie dies. May comes back and is the girl. I mean, let me ask you guys a question. Will Ruby die? Probably. Yeah, send think- Tommy off the off the rails and make him do some crazy shit. You think he's gonna drink after Ruby dies? Sure. There you go. All that right. would be it. All right, there's our episode two. Ruby dies. Luke's prediction would come true, and it would take two episodes for Tommy Shelby to drink. Uh, my prediction, I guess, would be I see this going one of two ways. Either we're going to have this whole season line up Michael versus Tommy in the movie. Or Michael is the Big Bang death at the end of this season. And then the movie is about cleaning up Mosley, the communist and fascist, and like what actually happened in real world history leading to Tommy's death, Walter White style at the very end of the movie. Like he's obviously going to make it to the movie. I just think there's almost no chance that he lives yeah, the movie, even made. though I fucking will do anything for Tommy to live. I really, really hope they break the mold and actually have him somehow live. Maybe even yeah. like Dexter style where he's like torturing himself like by being alone or something. I was, I was going to say he deserves happiness, but I don't know if that's entirely true. Fuck no. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's why I think he's just like he's going to die in the biz, obviously. Like that's what he's been trying to avoid this season already. We've seen. And I think it's but we're making predictions for this season. So I already said mine. But. So I don't know exactly how the season ends, obviously, but there was rumors for years that the season ends when the air horns start blowing for World War II. Okay. That's what I was going to say, like thinking about of like, are we going to get to World War II or will the movie stop before that? Doesn't that mean five or six more years? When World War II start? 1942. At least. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, technically not. 1942-ish was like when the U.S. got involved. But the actual war... No, I'm pretty sure that Hitler invaded Poland in oh, like it was 39. Like That's yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. six years, yeah. five years, because it's basically it's December yeah. of 33 right now. That's I have doable. no idea if he's going to stick to it. It's it's the you know that's what he always said was probably going to be the way to end. And I I always read interviews or Reddit pieces of people saying that they're kind of annoyed that they know the ending because he basically came out and said like that is how we're going to yeah. finish the show. Uh, that makes sense. I, guess, I like it. I want one thing on the board, though. I'm so worried about Arthur right now where we've seen him. He could be not a throwaway character, but he could definitely be a major death. We've right, already right. seen him try and recover from this. He already had that with his wife of the drinking and the drugs. He kind of got off of it for a little bit, and now he's back on it. So did the writers have that in it to give it him that redemption arc again of overcoming those things? Or is it like, or do we just give him the the kill and then just make it a big deal you know i could see him just sacrificing maybe he like sacrifices himself for finn or something like that i feel like that could be a nice end to his story if he dies tommy shelby's definitely dying in the movie that's what i would say if there wasn't a movie 
I would throw out one of my weird theories that I, I would say almost every main Shelby character except for Tommy dies. And then Tommy's whole thing has always been, you know, with the younger generation, stay the hell away from me. So it would be almost like, okay, you know, no matter what, I'm bad for this world. You know, Finn dies, Arthur dies. Whether Tommy dies or not, I'm just saying that, you know, the way it would end would be that they would just kind of be wiped out and it would have the younger generation be whoever the hell they're going to be, hopefully good. Mm -hmm. But now that there's a movie, I just believe you keep going with Tommy and just do your Tommy story. We played this game with Last Kingdom and it's just so hard. Like, it's so hard to predict what was going to happen in season five while also trying to guess what was going to happen in the movie. It's just Mm -hmm. so, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can leave it at that then. Yeah. Good shit. Great opener. All right, guys. Our first ever Peaky Blinders episode is complete. We're going to cover each individual episode. We've been waiting forever. We were thinking about doing two episodes at a time, but we want to go deep dive for each episode. So we're going to do one through six. And like Dave said, when he started, we have the screener. So we are going to do our best to be getting these out to you guys ASAP because we know you like to binge like us. So if you like what you heard, check us out at BingetownTV.com. You can find us on any of your favorite podcast apps. This will also be on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Uh, we appreciate any any new subscriber, any like on the YouTube channel. If you want to support, <laughs> if you want to support the pod, you can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash TV. $5 a month, you get all of our exclusive content. We have a lot of fun with the random episodes, just off the cuff, talking about whatever. Guys, this was a great time. Peaky's back. Woo. Let's do it. Don't F with the Peaky Blinders. Let's this go. is Bingetown TV. And thank you so much for listening. I have no limitations. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.